0: Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampler finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitors' fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, So between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day needs. Ampli Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Smart Divorce Podcast. In Series 3, we're going to be answering some of the questions that we regularly get asked about divorce and about separating your finances. Today, we're talking spousal maintenance with Katie McCann from Knights. You'll learn about what spousal maintenance is, have some idea of how it might be calculated and how long it might be payable for. So if this might affect you, please listen on. Hi Katie, thank you for joining me today. So today we're going to talk about spousal maintenance. So it's one of those subjects that I get asked about all of the time. So I thought we'd cover off some of the questions that we often get asked. So, start off just by introducing yourself very briefly, and then people know who you are.
0: So, I'm Katie, Katie McCann, and I'm um, a family law partner at Knight plc. So, I'm based in Wilmslow and Manchester primarily. And I specialise in all aspects of family law, but particularly I specialise in the financial aspects when people get divorced.
1: Fantastic. So spousal maintenance is a bit different to child maintenance, isn't it? So when might it be payable?
0: So spousal maintenance is payable where you've got the husband and the wife and there is a disparity. In the income positions between the two of them. So let's say, for example, the husband has worked for the last 20 years, he's in a really good job, he's earning a good salary, but his wife, who stayed at home to look after the children, isn't able to get back into the world of work because she's been disadvantaged for whatever reason so that's a classic example of where there is a disparity in their respective income positions so in those circumstances if there wasn't enough capital to buy a clean break we'd be expecting the husband there to pay ongoing maintenance to to his wife
1: okay so how do you work out how it's calculated
0: so this is the age-old question um, that we get asked all the time. And I'm gonna say, and this is this is our little mantra, isn't it? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on lots and lots of different circumstances. But in a nutshell, how we calculate it is we look at what is this party's income and expenditure. What is this party's income and expenditure? How much does this party need? And can this party afford to pay? So those are the very basic standard pillars, if you like, that we talk about when we're looking at spousal maintenance. What happens sometimes is you will get one party setting out a wish list of things that they say that they need when actually they don't need them at all and it can be issues like that that make the issue of spousal maintenance thorny and a bit difficult to actually work out because whilst we might agree what the principles should be a lot of the time we don't agree about some of the things that somebody says they need so we end up having we end up having discussions shall we say about that particularly
1: <laughs> <laughs> excellent and so, I know it's complicated and we've got these kind of needs and so on. Um, if one of the if the party that's earning more, for example, if they've moved on with their life and they've perhaps got another partner and they're moving in with that other partner, is that going to impact the amount that they are able to afford? say they've bought a much bigger house, they've got a big mortgage, their expenditures perhaps increased because of that. How does that impact things? Because that, that seem a little unfair
0: if that was then taken into account. So it does impact things. It does. Because like I've just said, it factors into what does this person need? But what's the ability of the other party to pay? So if the other party has moved on, so we're talking there's a number of years here between separation and where we are. And there is a new partner and there is a new house, those expenses, so the new mortgage and the contribution towards it, yes, will be taken into account as one of their their expenses and one of their liabilities that need to be factored into the overall equation. Lots of time, lots of times we get asked, is the new partner's income going to get taken into consideration? So again, it depends. (laughs) on how long that relationship's been going on for is it an established relationship so a lot of the time people might have formed a new relationship that's actually not that old they don't really live together you know they might stay in each other's houses a couple of nights a week or whatever but is that an established enough relationship for there to be full disclosure of that new party's assets probably not in those circumstances but if we've got a set of circumstances where a new house has been bought together they've got children they've moved on then yes absolutely that new partner's income and assets get taken into consideration.
1: Wow I bet not many people know that. <laughs> so spousal maintenance how long is that usually paid for?
0: So. These days, the courts like to achieve a clean break as soon as they possibly can. So in other words, as long as there isn't going to be any undue hardship to the receiving party when they're transitioning, then if a clean break can be achieved within a set term period of time, i.e., you know, the child's ten. And we're going to agree to pay maintenance until the child finishes full time secondary education. So that's going to give that particular parent enough time to re-educate, enough time to get back into into the world of work, etc. Then the court likes to, if it can, impose a term and then a clean break as soon as it possibly can. It used to be um, that... There would be what are called joint lives maintenance orders, where if a party had been married for a long period of time, some one of the parties was really financially disadvantaged because of that relationship. They were nearing retirement or there was absolutely no prospect of one of those parties going back to work. And a court could impose a joint lives maintenance order, which would effectively be in place until the receiving party got married again or somebody died. So it's a very, very draconian order. Does it allow people to move on from that relationship? No, it doesn't, for all intents and purposes. And at the moment, I'm dealing with... Um, a variation of a very, very long-standing maintenance order, which in my view should have been terminated many years ago. But it's one of those older cases that we're, we're looking at and we're reviewing that at this point. So joint lives maintenance orders can still be made, but the, the leaning of the court is very much to try to achieve a clean break in the shortest period of time that it can.
1: Yeah, to enable people to move on, which which does make sense. Both parties to move on. That makes that makes sense. Is there anything else that we should know about spousal maintenance?
0: I don't think so. It's a it's a tricky area. Tamsin, it's a tricky area, and it's one that tends to kind of track alongside dealing with the capital. Okay. And like I said, the main the main thing that tends to cause disputes is not whether or not spouse maintenance should be paid it's how much it should be yeah. and for how long it should be and those are the two things that we tend to that we tend to argue about I don't like to use the word argue because it's not necessarily my mo but those are the the two things that we tend to we tend to have to bat around between us before we can reach a compromised position yeah
1: it, it is a tricky one and I know that um I had a client who had a, an order where it was capitalised spousal maintenance um, and because it had been capitalised, the mortgage company then wouldn't take it into consideration when looking at the at the mortgage amount that, and whether they could borrow on a mortgage. So there's lots of considerations when you are looking at, at maintenance spousal maintenance, aren't there?
0: Many, many. But it's just one it's just one of those factors that, you know, if there is a disparity between the parties from an income perspective that we find ourselves dealing with in very often.
1: Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Katie. That was great. Thank you for listening to the Smart Divorce podcast. If you'd like details of our guest today or of myself so you can get in touch, please check out the program notes. Many thanks. See you again soon.